Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mount Westwire football podcast. MWWire.com is the website you can, uh, you know, Matt, find the stuff we write about typically. Typically. To, yeah, well, I mean, Twitter, we run on Twitter too, MWC Wire. There's other content on Twitter as well where you find all the stats and that's FBI, SP Plus, and then Utah State fans can complain about it because they're ranked too low still. They're climbing, <laughs> though. They're climbing, though. Can we explain that to people right now why they're kind of lower in those rankings? I know why. You know why you post it more? Let them know because it's uh, it is kind of sucky when your team's doing so well, but you're still like maybe like 80th or something in the country. So, so if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, or if you're maybe if you're a first time listener to the podcast, in in the latter case, welcome. Um, but you know when we talk about you know projecting what each week's games are going to look like, you know we talk about both FEI and SP Plus from from Brian Fremo and Bill Connolly respectively. And what those ratings are essentially are measure ways of measuring how a team plays rather than like a resume tool versus like who they play. So in the case of Utah State, you know, one reason why, and Bill Connolly, I think, explained it to, um, and I forget his name, I apologize, Brian Phillips, I believe it was, who had yeah. subsequently asked about it after, it asked, after I had asked about it a couple weeks ago. But, you know, if you follow Bill C on Twitter at ESPN underscore Bill C, you know, every week now he's started to put out, um, you know, the the spreadsheet that has each team's win expectancies. Mm-hmm. And over the course of the season, what you see is like very early on, the Aggies in particular were sort of benefiting a little bit from win expectancies under 50%. So they were in a sense, you know, getting, getting quote unquote lucky in that if 
the way that they had played the Washington State game at the beginning of the year, for example. If they played that game, I believe, you know, 10 times, they might have won it two or three times. Things along those same lines. Close games as well. That's kind of part of it too. Yeah. So like, so it's a rating in the sense that like you can lose to a very good team, but if you play well, you can rise in the rankings. And alternatively, like you, you can play poorly against a bad team and drop in the rankings, even if you win. So it, it like it takes into terms of like explosiveness, efficiency. You know, we talk about, you know, like opportunity rate, things like that, you know, available yards percentage, all the things that I, I like to talk about, maybe more than you do. That's fine. Um, so, so that's more or less what FBI and SP plus are meant to capture is just like how well teams are playing based in terms of, in, of, of who they're playing against. Cause obviously, like I said, you know, playing better against better teams is going to reflect more in the rankings than playing better against, you know, bad teams, which if you're a good team is what you would expect. Like I'm betting Colorado state moved up after playing close to Iowa. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I don't have the week to week rankings in front of me, but that's, that's That's a perfectly good, you know, that's, that explains why, despite the three and seven record, you know, the Rams are still like only slightly below average, I believe in terms of SP plus and FBI. And that's a lot, I think more, you can probably, you know, pin that more on how the defense has continued to play more often than not than the offense. But, you know, it's, it's not necessarily like, you know, a snapshot of exactly how well a team is doing as much as a, a system that is sort of measuring sort of how a team progresses or doesn't over the course of a year. And, and, you know, there are certain things that it can't, uh, you know, um, account for, like, you know, it doesn't account for like any stars injury or something like that. And so, like I said, it's not perfect. And I think, you know, Bill Connolly, Brian Primo, they would say the same thing, but it does give you a sense of, you know, teams that might be, playing a little better or worse than their record. And in case in point, you know, I pointed this out on Twitter a little bit ago, Northern Illinois, and, and we're recording this on Wednesday, the 17th. They just won their eighth game yep. of the year this year. Yep. They're eight and three. And, and you won the Mac West tonight. Yeah. And you may recall, you know, we talked about them more in depth when they played Wyoming back in non-conference play in September, um, won the Mac West title. Like again, eight, eight win team. But there's a reason they're ranked 106th by SB plus, and you know even if you aren't necessarily more into the advanced metrics like like I am, just consider that they still have a negative point differential on the year, which which means that on the season they have still been outscored after 11 games. Well, Wyoming put up 50 on them. So Wyoming put up 50, and um and and Reddit. The, the Reddit college football account pointed out that they have like what I think seven of their eight wins are by one score. So good for them. Yeah. So they've won games by one, 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 two, six points <laughs> in overtime, seven and eight points. And no, by the way, like I said, they lost to Wyoming by eight as well. So they have benefited from a lot of close game luck. And, and while some of that is probably a little bit of skill, you know, I think that sort of points out how Utah State and Northern Illinois were for a, a long time, you know, sort of in that same basket where the system was sort of slow to warm up to them just because they were playing a lot of close games. And that's really hard to, you know, to game out as being something that you can count upon week after week. But but like I mentioned in last week's pre uh, recap, there's a reason that Utah State started to climb 
by a lot of those same metrics. And that's because, like I said, you know, when you're winning games by 20 points, it typically means that you're doing a lot of things right. And that has been the case definitely for the Aggies over the last few weeks. Maybe not so much for the Huskies out there in the MAC, but you know, I don't think anybody out there in DeKalb is uh, complaining. All of which no is to say, all of which is to say, you know, there's there are ways of looking at teams more than just by wins and losses, and that's really what all these metrics are meant to try and capture. Isn't also just before we move on, it's garbage times tossed out. Yeah, and usually it's kind of like basically, maybe this is FEI where it's basically here's the rankings. Here's how you play against an average football team. Isn't that also kind of the most basic terms of FEI? Yeah, in a sense. Yeah, like the idea is like if, if you if you take as if like if you're looking at something with your naked eye and that's sort of like your traditional stats or something like that. But all of these all these things I like to look at with these games with these things in mind is like imagine a microscope where you're just like zooming in a little bit for more or adding context to exactly why things are happening the way that they are. That's that's basically all it is. Gotcha. All right, so we get to the games. So Let's people. Quit complaining about us. There's a reason your team drinked where it's at. <laughs> We're just a messenger half most of the time. We're all the time, yeah. I guess, with some explainers by you. All right. We have two Friday night games. This, oh boy, Air Force at Nevada. It is on FS1, 6 p.m. Pacific. I, I have not looked at the lines at all at this night, which reminds me I need to send another picks for the week two, which I haven't done yet on Wednesday nights. Mm-hmm. Um, Wolfpack are a one and a half point favorite. Are you surprised by that at all? Not really. No. No. Is it be, why? Why? Why are you first blush? Why are you not surprised by that? I'm a little, a little surprised. A little. I mean, these are two very evenly matched teams. Like there, there's a reason they're both playing at a high level. I was, you know, there are multiple reasons that both are playing at a high level. But you know, they come into this game, you know, even though the Wolfpack are coming off of a loss, you know, Air Force, you know, is going to need some help if they want to, you know, claw their way back into the Mountain West or the Mountain Division race. But they're both having very good seasons, and and for for contrasting reasons, which I think makes this game in particular a very interesting matchup. You know, on the one hand, you've got you know Jay Norvell, Matt Mummy, the air raid, versus what has been a very effective ball control ground game, typical Air Force kind of offense. And you know, oh by the way, both of these defenses are also playing at higher levels more often than not too. And so, you know, you sort of have a sense of what you might get. From these two teams, but you know, as we talked about last week, I think maybe more directly with the Wolfpack in particular, what we've seen from Nevada a couple of times now is they've sort of run up against their limitations, where you know they they really cannot run the ball, or either cannot, or in a lot of cases maybe have not tried to run the ball, which is why coming into this game, you know, on offense in terms of like expected points added per rush, they're only 122nd nationally, so like they're pretty fairly below average when it comes to running the football and for all the good that Carson Strong has has done you know if you look in terms of like counting stats for instance and this is you know going back to what we talked about a minute ago as far as providing context to those raw stats you know on the surface what Carson Strong has done looks impressive you know he's completing 70 percent of his passes he's got a four to one touchdown interception ratio you know he's averaging you know nearly eight yards an attempt but again, you know, when you when you look in terms of EPA per pass, you know, you might expect them to be a little better than 38th overall nationally. Yes, I would agree with that. And you might expect that given how often they throw the ball, 
which, you know, again, their early down rush rate is only 30%, which means they're throwing the ball on, on first and second down. You would expect that they would be, you know, they would get be getting first downs on first and second down more than 76% of the time. Or excuse me, I'm looking at the wrong column. But no, you know, they, okay. you would expect that they would be, you know, more than like middle of the pack in terms of their ability to move the chains on early downs. So while they've been an effective, a relatively effective third down offense, and they've they've shown a, a, a I would say a reasonable willingness to, you know, go for it on fourth down when it counts. You know, Air Force their secondary has maybe been a little better than they get credit for, just because, you know, it's not the kind of unit that has you know, maybe any all-conference type defenders, but they've definitely started to play better over the course of the year. Like, you know, they have the the the, the safety tandem of, of Corbin and Trey Taylor who have really come on strong. And, and in terms of, you know, again, going back to the traditional statistics, you know, they're giving up only, you know, 55% of opponents' completions. You know, they, they've only given up 10 touchdowns even as they've only intercepted seven passes. And a lot of that maybe has to do with the fact that not a lot of teams have shown a willingness to throw the ball against them. You know, no team in the Mountain West is seeing fewer pass attempts per game than Air Force, which is kind of interesting. It, it sort of makes you wonder whether teams think they can run the ball better than they have been. But it's it sort of makes for, for an interesting, you know, decision for Nevada to make. You know, do they try once again to lean on Carson Strong to do nearly all the heavy lifting? Or do they try and do something to establish the run with, with Toatau and Devontae Lee? Well, they haven't shown to do that consistently all year. We have to try because mm-hmm. Cole Turner is still, his uh, status is not at a concussion November 6th. It's still. I believe of, uh, he's trending towards playing. I believe that was the last yeah. update that I saw. Yeah, I'm checking right here from what Jane Orville said. This is a Tuesday. It's getting closer to play. Miss San Diego State, obviously, last week. Um, it's not sure. It's We'll see how it goes. Concussions can change day by day. Mm-hmm. Just because he's feeling fine Tuesday doesn't mean he'll feel, feel fine Thursday. Doesn't mean he'll feel, feel better Saturday morning and can play. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of um, – they're not – like, they don't go – it's not like any other injury where, oh, I'm getting better because I'm resting or getting ice. It can go up and down. So if he doesn't play, it's a big deal. But they, you, like you said, back to the running game, they have to try because Nevada has been – there's been issues throughout the year where this week they do good running the game. Oh, they're back. Tortal had a good game. Dante Lee did something well running the ball. Or they have go back to do Kansas State type of game where they can't move the ball. They have to try. They have – like the, here's the thing. They have the best quarterback in the field. They have the best receiver on the field. Maybe best – obviously most receivers. But they have – look at the skill positions. Like they're outside of running back. They're probably – I know Sadiq Daniels is a different type of quarterback, so it's hard to – Really compare him to strong, but when you look what Nevada has, they got to try to run. But like they're last in the conference, and you're you know, they're only running 64 yards per game. Yeah, that's because they're barely trying to run. Yeah, it's like it, but also it's 2.6 yards per play. So it's mm-hmm. not like they're also they're not they'd rather pass their own, obviously, but also when they run, they're not good at running either. Mm-hmm. They're they as a team, they only they're not gonna have okay, there's what two games left or three games left? Uh, two games. There is a high probability they're not going to have a thousand yards as a team. They currently have 641 yards rushing. Mm-hmm. They can try all they want, but Air Force's defense is pretty good up front for what we see them do. 
Nevada's, like I said, been inconsistent. Like when I'm going kind of game by game or kind of like looking at what they can do throughout or what they've done throughout the year, they have like Idaho State was their best game, obviously 145 yards, but outside of that game, they haven't gone over 4.33 yards per attempt. San Diego State half a yard. Like they have games where they're under one yard per carry. They have four games under two yards per carry. Like they're not a great running team. It's not good. Like somehow Boise State, they had that pretty good running game and their defense is fine above average, but it's going to be Carson Strong going to will them the victory again. And, but they're going to got it. They're going to try to run like last week, 15 attempts. They've had, this is where they've had three games under 20 rushing attempts as a team. Like what yeah. Charles I mean, I think 40 something carries <laughs> right from UNLV. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think if, if, if I'm Nevada, I want to at least try a little bit because, you know, Air, again, an Air Force is is more of like a, a team performance than a team that's, you know, littered with a lot of all-conference guys. But the Falcons have put together a top 20 sack rate nationally. So, like, you know, their, their, their team sack rate on defense is 8.9%, 18th overall. And that number jumps to 9.9 on standard downs. So you, you're thinking about okay, well, Nevada's going to throw and they're going to throw and throw. Well, standard downs, if you don't know the definition, I'll just give it to you real quick. All first downs, second and seven or fewer, third and four or fewer, fourth and four or fewer. So if you're thinking that Nevada is going to be throwing more often than not on first and second down, they're going to have to be prepared for an Air Force front seven that's been very active. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about Vince Sanford, who, you know, very quietly, might be playing his way into the defensive player of the year conversation recently. Um, you know, he's, you know, very quietly among the league leader in sacks all of a sudden, you know, he's right there with, you know, six and a half, which is tied for sixth. And, you know, other guys around him have really started to pop up too. And so, you know, he, he's definitely the guy who's been the tip of the spear, but, you know, they've got <laughs> guys who can, you know, especially from, you know, those outside linebackers in particular, you know, Caleb Pumphrey, um, you know, other guys like that, you know, they've shown a capacity to get after the quarterback from a number of different angles. And so, you know, if I, if I, if I think I know what Nevada is going to do, which is, you know, they're not going to be shy about, you know, taking shots down the field. They're going to have to prove that they can keep them upright against what has been a very strong pass rush. Yeah. And so Nevada might be in. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, 
a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I muted myself. Sorry about that. A quarterback no, is protected possibly. Running the ball might not be good. Sorry, about to sneeze. I'm trying to mute and not mute at the same time. <laughs> no worries. I'm no like, worries. no, I got it. Good. Go, go in between. So, but your point's right. Like they, they have to try to run the ball to make the defense honest. But if they can't, they're that's at a bigger problem. And so, just throw it to dubbed, right? That's the answer. I mean, you say that just chuck it from shotgun, but that even that their secondary is good. They have good players out there, so it's. Yeah, I'm just that's saying, like not yeah, culture I, have, a problem. I have to imagine that that Trey Bug is probably going to be the guy who's getting the lion's share of the work um, against Dubs, which, you know, is not necessarily like going to be an easy assignment for Dubs because, you know, Bug is a guy who has nine, t- or nine pass breakups, which is one of the best figures anywhere in the Mountain West. And, you know, one thing that Air Force has been able to do, which we haven't really talked about it, but they've found ways to like, you know, break in new young talents over the course of the season who have stepped up and played well too. So if I'm Nevada, I'm, I'm not necessarily thinking about, you know, trying to feed dubs. I'm thinking about what are the matchups for like Justin Lockhart and Tory Horton going to look like, because for as well as a guy like, for instance, Michael Mack, who's seen, you know, most of the playing time opposite bug at corner in particular, you know, I'm thinking like, what kind of matchups can I get to, you know, scheme against someone like him, for example, or a young safety, like, you know, Camby Goff, who started, I believe the last six or seven games, you know, I think if, if I'm Nevada, if I'm Matt mummy, I'm looking for ways to test the younger guys who have stepped up in the bigger roles over the last you know month, month and a half or so, rather than trying to attack the, the established talents for as, for as talented as dubs is, you know, bug is definitely the kind of guy who could make them pay if, you know, they try and force feed him and there's a slightly bad throw or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, they're going to they're gonna go to him regardless because they have to. Mm-hmm. But you're right. They have to go to the secondary third, the third type of pass catchers to exactly. make, it, make it work. It can't be one and done. Exactly. They just go, yeah, sorry. Where you just, not just a check, but you know I mean, they're going to have to mix it up and get to multiple players and Strong could do that. Mm-hmm. So my one of my big concerns about this game, can I just say uh, Air Force is probably going to rush like 500 yards? Can we think go ahead so? and put that you out think there? So? <laughs> can we put that out there? Just about like there's no way they're going to slow down that offense, right? Or the- and and the real irony behind that is that Nevada, when it comes to pass defense, and not just in terms of the pass rush, which I think we've talked about about at length in past previews. But the secondary has quietly played pretty well altogether too. And they've had sort of the opposite problem, you know, week after week in that, you know, where, where Air Force has seen fewer pass attempts per game, you know, Nevada is, you know, right there with San Diego State and Hawaii as seeing, you know, more pass attempts than anybody else in the Mountain West. Like the teams are throwing the ball nearly 39 times per game. But the Wolfpack have, you know, on the one hand, they've allowed a 62.5% completion rate, which, you know, definitely bend but don't breaky type situation. But they've also allowed only 6.4 yards per attempt, and they also have 11 interceptions. 
But of course, you know how how much is Air Force going to be inclined yeah, to, to take yeah. advantage of that? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> when, and especially since you know, in terms of like you know, EPA per rush on defense, Nevada's one hundred and third, and and you know, so I can see the type of situation where yeah, maybe Nevada is able to quick strike and get a you know a touchdown within ninety seconds, and then Air Force methodically does its its you know Falcons offense type thing when they go you know fourteen plays, seventy five yards for a touchdown that bleeds like six and a half minutes off the clock or something like that. That would not surprise me at all. No, but like their pass defense is not useless, but it's not going to be a benefit either. But I do think that, but I do think that one place that is definitely going to go a long way towards exciting the game is, you know, how well Nevada, I think defends on third downs in particular, because one thing they have in common in terms of like air forces offense versus Nevada's defense is they both have very strong success rates. You know, on defense, the Wolfpack are, are fifth in the country as far as, you know, third and fourth down success rate allowed, 31.7%. That's pretty good. Yeah. And we've talked at length about how, you know, Air Force in terms of like third down conversions, they're roughly middle of the pack in the Mountain West, but they've been able to offset that because nobody in the conference is more aggressive on fourth downs. And, you know, when they found themselves in situations where they have one or two yards to to move the chains, they haven't been shy about doing it. And even more importantly, they've been very successful about doing it too. You know, they're, they're converting over three quarters of their fourth down tries this year, 26 of 34 altogether. So I'm thinking like if, if Nevada can find a way to assert itself and, and, you know, stonewall air force and manageable third down situations, like third and short situations, and, and really make the Falcons think about rolling those dice. That I think could go a long way towards helping the Wolfpack, you know, figure out how to keep the Falcons at arm's length. Because going back to what we just talked about, about, well, you know, are they going to be able to salt the game away if they get a lead in the fourth quarter? I think if the defense can do its part to sort of offset the, the uncertainty about the offense in that regard, then that could make their life easier all, you know, all the way around. So what's the advanced number say for this one? Because I think this game is going to be fascinating, even though the overrunner is like a 52. So I, they are they are split. I can tell you that much. Okay, um, makes sense. FEI likes the Falcons, um, but not by much, though, by 3.8. SP Plus, however, likes the Wolfpack. Again, not by much. Only 2.3, which is a 55% win probability. And uh, Parker Fleming on Twitter, at StatsOWar, his advanced stats preview favors Nevada, 72.81% win probability, uh, projected margin of roughly 28 to 19. So what do you say? Honestly, I like Air Force in this one. Ooh. Because I so think I think if this comes down to you know both offenses being able to assert itself. You know, in this situation, I think it becomes down to, you know, which defense do I like more to be able to create a, a, a critical mistake? And, you know, given that, you know, Air Force isn't likely to challenge Nevada's strengths all that much, you know, I see it as being more likely that Carson Strong throws a, a critical interception than someone on that Air Force ground game, you know, you're putting the ball on the turf and giving Nevada a short field or something like that. So I think it's going to be a back and forth game. I think it's gonna be a close game, but I like the Falcons. As well. I like the Falcons to win. I'm gonna say 34 to 30. So a loss by either team basically knocks them out of the t- title yeah, race for the pretty division. much. Yeah. 
They both have two losses and they're both a game behind. And in Air Force's case, they don't own the tiebreaker versus Utah State. Mm-hmm. And neither does Nevada over the San Diego State because they just lost to them. Yeah. And that's, it's, I, here's the thing that's going to happen. I think there's going to be fewer possessions. So it's basically whoever makes the mistake. Like you said, it could be a Carson Strong interception or Air Force is the fumble, which is more likely for how much they run. Nothing to will, but they're not going to throw an interception. Seems less likely. I, I don't know, man. This one, uh, I was on Nevada. All, you know, I was honestly like undefeated through the offseason. Like, they're this amazing team. They're good. I just don't think they're going to have enough to get the ball enough. Air Force is just going to hold the ball and run because Nevada's rush defense. Like, a kid, 500 yards. Would you be surprised if they get 400 yards in this game? I wouldn't. Like, Air Force rushing? I, I mean, to, to, to me, to me, the bigger number is, is rather than, you know, total yards, what does the yards per carry number look like? That's it. That's always the big plays, but yeah, those are, those go hand in hand. But if, if Air Force get, or if the Vada gives up yards, but like I say it to you a lot, give up yards, but don't give up like huge, huge plays. Mm-hmm. I'm still going Air Force. So I think it's going to be 28, 24 Air Force. All right, then. Next game, which is a peculiar kick time. We talked about this for like a minute on our preview podcast or recap podcast. It is an 8.30 local kick Pacific time. Mm-hmm. Those are like usually, usually reserved for Hawaii kickoffs. That's true. San Diego State at UNLV. Rebels looking to win three in a row. Spoiler, it's not going to happen here, but we got to mention that. They're doing good. Over-unders only 41 points. 41 points, Matt. That's it. And we should mention it's obviously on CBS Sports Network because, you know, the Aztecs were involved. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> in this game. Cameron, for you put on a stat on Twitter, like he could potentially have the highest completion percentage of any UNLV quarterback. Yeah. If the season ended right now, he would end up with the you know all-time program record for, you know, season-long completion rate. Better than Randall Cunningham? Yeah. Better than Kenny Bain? <laughs> better than better than Caleb Herring, who uh, I believe currently holds the record. Is he in the NFL somewhere? Was he with the Bears for a hot second? No, he's he's calling games for the Rebels now. Oh, I know he is. But I mean, at some point he was. That's right. Yeah, I believe so. Okay, I have to say he's. So this game is ten points. Not enough. I think that's not enough points. I think I it's. Being... I think it's just the amount uh, about the right amount of points. But it's always just about because you're always within a couple points. That's what makes well, it that. That's why gambling. they pay. That's, that's why they pay the quants in Vegas very big bucks to do this. Exactly. But as for this game itself, like who could do what better? We know how UNLV is going. If they're going to win, if they can do it, Charles Williams running the ball quite a bit. Cameron Frill using that sixty plus per completion percentage to his benefit, making smart plays. Challenge them down, challenging, challenging them downfield like Tyler Collins, probably not the best idea. So I think there were, there's I, the bit, amount of big plays the Rebels are going to have are probably few and far between, partly because the Aztec defense is, you know, really, really good. I just don't know how much Chris Charles Williams had. What did he have last week? 40 carries? I believe he had 38 carries. 38, well, whatever. 38, 40, it's all the same. There's no way he could do that again. So, like, if they run him 25-plus times, I'd be shocked. And that's going to be a problem because that's how they have to win if they're going to win. Him going, like, I just I just can't – because we've talked about this before. Like, who's the other running back? Give them, like, five or six carries. It's all Charles Williams. There's nobody they trust behind him to be number two or three. And so that's how they're going to need to keep it close. But that's so many carries. And what Aztecs could do defensively, they're going to shut him down most likely or limit him. 
Like he may have a hundred yards, but it'll take a lot to get there. But and it's that's how they have to do it. But I don't see Cameron Frill being overly successful. I see like a ten of twenty-two passing game for him today, or excuse me, on Friday nights. I just don't think he'll be uber successful because what quarterbacks are really going to get just asked to pass defense. You know what I mean? Because what they what they able to do, and what what they uh, give up like inter- or what they gain also interceptions. Past deflections, like they're a middle of the packet, like yards per game, but they also have 10 interceptions, which is near the top of the conference. Their touchdown rate is middle of the pack. They're not amazing, but they, their yards per attempt is really good because they're at what 5.7, it looks like. They don't, that's why going downfield seems highly unlikely. They're going to do shorter passes and 55% completion rate. That's what second best of the conference, third best of the conference. They're not going to complete many passes. And so that's why it's going to be the Charles Williams show, but they're going to have to, you're going to have to throw because their rush defense is also, you know, what what's their defense What their top 15 SP plus or something about they're like, they're great at everything they do. And UNLV doesn't do anything amazingly. Charles Williams has been really, really good, but there's been a handful of games here and there where he's not getting it done. We're like, we're questioning why he's doing this because on the ground, 2.7 yards per carry. The top of the conference, four touchdowns. They're top of the conference, like in both categories. Rebels, it's not going to be close. Like, unless Aztecs do like just a chokehold and win 21 to 14 or something, 21 10, it's going to be a low scoring game. Probably not super exciting, game, unfortunately, because Aztecs offense, they're good. Defense is kind of fun, usually fun to watch. But if you want like a even a 28 point game, this is not the game for you. So, so, okay. So I'm going to try and, re- <laughs> you said a lot. So I'm going to try and answer your questions directly as, as, as best lot. as I can remember. Apologies. Them. I got no. a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one, you, you asked, you know, who has had success against the Aztecs defense? Really good quarterbacks have had success against the Aztecs defense. Cameron Frill's not a really good quarterback. <laughs> and I was going to say that. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, you know, which, which mostly comes down to Carson Strong and Jay Canner. You know, those yeah, two are, of the best are, in the country. Or those are the two quarterbacks that have had far and away the most success against this defense. You know, because and and we talked about it where you know good good quarterbacks can get theirs even against very good defenses. Yeah. But to your point, you know, that at least for right now doesn't really describe Frill. And and maybe it seems obvious. UNLV cannot have any turnovers in this game if they want to survive. Yeah. But that's been a problem this year. Because they have exactly one game where they had zero giveaways. And that was all the way back in the Arizona State game back in September. Mm. They, I think at a minimum, they need Friel to look a lot closer to what he, how he played in the second half of last week's giving us Hawaii than the first half. When, again, those turnovers really threatened to derail you know, what UNLV was, was eventually able to get going on the ground. And so... I see that as, as, you know, one big key is like UNLV can't, <laughs> they can't gift wrap a short field no. or two no. or three for the Aztecs because the Aztecs, even though their offense is, is still more, you know, functional than anything, like it's been improving and they're good enough. I would say to at least get three points out of it, if not six or seven. And so, like that's that's one thing. I think the other thing, which is you know more to the other thing that you brought up, is they need they need to hope that their defense can make it a game of possessions. 
And one of the reasons I think this could be closer than a lot of people would expect in, in terms of looking at it like, oh my God, well, you got a ranked team versus UNLV. Like that's, you know, the Aztecs are going to run away with it. The one reason I think that the, that the Rebels could definitely hang around in this game is they've been a lot better recently about defending the run, which is the one okay. thing that you know San Diego State is going to want to do. Yes. In terms of like, you know, EPA per rush, you know, UNLV is, you know, a top, you know, 50 team nationally, you know, just about top 40. Um, you know, and if you look at it in terms of like yards per carry, like, you know, they're you know, right around four yards per carry, but, you know, they're top 20 by opportunity rate. They're top 15 by power success rate, which means they're getting it done in short yardage situations on defense and they're top 10 in terms of stop rate. So like they're improving in terms of their ability to get back, you know, in the backfield. And it's really been sort of like a first half, second half kind of thing where, um, you know, in the, in the first five games of the year, they had 16 tackles for loss as a defense. Not great, right? In the last yeah. five, though, they have 38. And, and you know, we've, we've talked about, like, you know, individual efforts, you know, like Brennan Scott has really come on strong over the last five, six weeks or so. So he's definitely a big reason why they've been able to do that. You know, Jacoby Winman is continuing to play at a high level, but they're, they've started to get contributions from other guys too. You know, a couple of weeks ago it was Kyle Beaudry stepping in for Austin Ajiaki at linebacker. You know, Alil Elimare has been has stepped up on the defensive line. So has Kylan Wilborn. And so I think if if San Diego State is going to just you know stick to its usual game plan and and run more often than on a first and second down, they haven't been great about converting you know, when it comes to, you know, third and mid, third and long. And that's another thing that UNLV has been maybe a little bit better than you think in terms of like, you know, holding, you know, defensive success rate on third and fourth down. They're a top 50 team by that metric too. Yeah. And so I think if UNLV can make it a slog and the way that their defense has played in recent weeks should give you some encouragement that they can do exactly that. That, then, bit, then all then all it can take is to flip the script and and if if even if they can't necessarily force San Diego State in, in, into many mistakes, which you know they they still don't tend to make any on many on offense, and and even if they make it, even if they lose the field position battle, which again with Matt Ariza, you know booming punts with Jordan Bird, you know returning kicks better than anybody in the conference, they that is still probably the most likely scenario. Maybe in that case, you end up with another San Jose State game on their hands, you know, that where you know they were able to take the Aztecs to overtime. And, you know, it took a Lucas Johnson heroic effort in overtime for the Aztecs to escape that game. It could be that the Rebels could, could work themselves into that same kind of situation, even if the offense scuffles. Yeah, I, I don't think they can do it well enough. Maybe here or there, because Greg Bell hasn't been he's been banged up a little bit. He hasn't been amazing as he, as himself. Lucas Johnson did have what 220 something yards last week, but did throw through under 50% completion rate. So I think San Diego State will eventually break through. That's the thing. Like Raven rebels with Jacoby Whitman and those guys kind of get back there and do things. I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, like, like San Diego state knows what it's wanted, knows what it wants to do. And they're good at what they do, but they're not great at it. 
the, the, the one thing that both these teams have in common, like we mentioned that UNLV has been outstanding in terms of like power success rate on defense. That's one place where San Diego State has really made their bones. You know, their own power success rate on offense is seventh nationally, 83.3%. So when they get third and one, third and two, they know how to move the chains. But any longer than that, and it could get dicey. Yeah. So there's a couple of things about this game. Have you, have you been reading up on the history of this matchup? Uh, the- I know that it has generally been pretty lopsided. <laughs> yeah, but there's been random UNLV victories. Long That's time. true. A couple of years ago, right? 2018, Rocky mm-hmm. Long lost 27-24. The, 19, the, um, the worst loss might be the 1996 loss, 44-42. Oh, yeah. I, I, I saw someone mention it, that. It was, I think... Oh, I think I think it was I think it was the, I think it was Aztecs killing him. Yeah, yeah, I think I saw it too. Yes, there. But then I'm looking at the Union Tribune right now, where they lost by a one-win UNLV team, where Aztecs were. Actually, I don't have the record here. They were, I believe, they were, eight and I believe they mentioned they were eight and three at that point. So, yeah, undefeated conference play or something like that. But it was hmm. one of the worst losses in San Diego State history. That's what some people say. Owen ten UNLV defense ranked 100 last in the NCAA that year. They were allowing. Oh boy, forty-seven points per game back in '96, mm-hmm. and they haven't scored th- in that year. They have not scored more than thirty-four point thirty-four points all season, not per game or anything. I, I assume that's the. I think I assuming this is word of awkward. Would you? Okay, I can look it up. I'm up, but I'm gonna ask you what you think because this is not worded properly. UNLV was allowing forty-seven points a game and not and had not scored more than thirty-four points all season. Is that to me to take when they were 0 10, they had 34 total points all year? Or had they not scored 34 points in a game all season? That I don't know. To me, it sounds like the whole year. That means that they're averaging three <laughs> that points. Sounds impo- points that per sounds game. impossible, though. I know. That's what I'm getting at. And so that's why I'm like, I, I'm assuming it was a one game thing, but I maybe I'll look that up. But there's, it ended up not winning the WAC Pacific Division because I would have been in the 16 team WAC quadrant. Years and who knows who would have been that quadrant. <laughs> Those were the days, right? I know all the quad system that wrote, and it wasn't the same quad system. It changed like every two years. You had two year rotation, which is even more baffling. Huh. Also, Aztecs, there's only 18 bowl games there. Eight three did not go bowling. So they've had a couple instances where weird things have happened. However, it's not gonna be word tomorrow or sat or whatever. Whenever you're listening to us Friday, I shouldn't say dates. They're going to win and I will just give my prediction now, but you can give the, the advanced numbers in a moment, but I'm just give my prediction now to go out of order. Okay. San Diego, San Diego State 34, UNLV 13. So, I think they'll put up a decent amount of points. I think that's a possibility. So you're not alone. I can tell you that much. Uh, yes. F- FEI likes the Aztecs <laughs> uh, by 9.2. Uh, SP Plus likes them by even more. They like the San Diego State by 18.9, which is an 86% win probability. And uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview, gives the Aztecs a 62.84% win probability, projected margin of roughly, maybe a little closer than you might think, 30 to 25. Okay, five points. I think the Aztecs are going to win, but I don't think the Rebels are going to make it easy on them. I think it's going to be a little closer than a lot of other people might expect. I take, uh, what did you say the line was? Ten and a half. Uh, Then I'm going to take the Rebels to cover... Ooh. Barely 27 to 17 Aztecs. I can see that, yeah. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, now let's go to Saturday. Wyoming at Utah State. CBS Sports Network. Your Saturday's all open, Matt. And do what you do in the morning. Even early afternoon, you're good. Late afternoon, I should say. This game's not till 6 p.m. Hmm. Busy night. CBS Sports Network. Cowboys at Aggies. Aggies are a five-point home favorite. This will be a game where, like, Wyoming's not been great. Obviously, they've been stumbling down the stretch. But I still think their defense maybe possibly could be good enough to slow down Utah State just a little bit. Like, that, they'll break through, but it's mostly going to be through Logan Bonner to passing the ball to Devin Tompkins, which we've seen all year long. That's what it's mostly going to be. But it's like, what can the running game do a little bit to – alleviate or open up a little bit more of the passing game because Calvin Tyler Jr. has been okay for the past couple weeks. The running game has not been great. And maybe Wyoming can scheme a defense where they'll just drop like eight guys and say, fine, pass and beat me and, and have a safety deep and do, was it the San Jose State that had the, who did the flea flicker? Was that Utah State, San Jose State? Were they bracketing everybody in Utah State's defense or offense? I, I believe so, yeah. Were, because Aggies did that flea flicker, right? I think so. I think, but or was they, that Nevada? That was, I can't remember. I can't remember. But I would expect why well, we do something like that where don't let Tom beat him deep and let everything go underneath if possible and drop like eight guys. Because I think they'd be fine. Or I know they'd be fine, like letting the running game beat Wyoming if that's the case. I think they'll be okay if that happens. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do if I were Wyoming's defense. And they have good players like Chad Boomer and other guys out there who could be defensive player of the year, getting pick sixes, score touchdowns, knocking the ball down. They have players out there, but I think strategically that might be their best option. Not go after the quarterback, give Bonner time, but just drop a bunch of guys. Rush like four, maybe. I think that would be a good option because Utah State has a plenty of receivers and Bonner's been getting been better every week since he's basically been the starter. There's no more Andrew Peasley. That's been long gone. But that's where I think kind of what Wami would want to do to give them short underneath stuff and say, fine, but Tompkins isn't going to go over the top of us. See, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because Utah State and Nevada have in common that like, you know, in terms of EPA per rush, the Aggies are not a great running team. You know, by EPA per rush, they're 119th nationally. Which, which would not seem to bode well against a Cowboys defense that's 45th. So, you know, a, a solidly above average rush defense in terms of like, you know, situationally being able to control the ground game. But on the one hand, you know, we've seen enough, I would say more from Utah State's ground game. Like when they when they feign toward it, like they've been a little better about running it than Nevada has been. You know, even if they haven't been like explosive in the same way that they were sort of in, in, in stints earlier in the year. Wyoming's defensive front has been kind of iffy on all fronts. So I don't know if it necessarily matters how you attack them, you know, because they, in terms of like overall sack rate, they're below average, you know, 6.1 on defense, 
is only 76th nationally. But, you know, even by the, a lot of the, uh, the same metrics as far as, you know, defending the run, they aren't really great by the, a lot of those measures either. And so if I'm Utah State and I'm looking at this defense, like I know that they've got playmakers up front, but I don't know if they necessarily have anybody that's like a game changer in the sense that it's, it's going to stop me from doing what I want to do, which is, yeah. which is leading with the pass. So, so if I'm Utah State, I'm st- I'm sticking with what I know I do best, and I'm leading with my aerial attack. I'm I'm betting that you know my talent at wide receiver, especially, can you know outwork Wyoming's talent in the secondary because you know we know C.J. Colden and Azizi Hearn are both having you know pretty pretty good years, but you know Utah State's got four guys. The Cowboys are going to have to figure out how to defend so if if i'm utah state i'm tempted to just go full wide more often than not and see if wyoming can stop me yeah totally that's what you should do because if you're not running the ball well like you mentioned go with what works like that's your best thing spread it out get it to all the receivers get it to one of the best in the country and see if wyoming has a because it takes away a little bit of your what wyoming does really good like if you have to put in extra dbs who may not be seeing action as much as they typically would in the game make those guys who are not lesser, but they're not experienced enough, not quite as good as those top guys, get them out there and see if they can guard whoever Aggie started them. Because Utah State, that's a good – I think that that's a great play to do. Just don't – it's not like you're giving up on the running game, but put out four receivers more often and just see what, if Wyoming if can stop it. And run it as you need to and don't not run it, but maybe set your formations where the – like if you, you can still run what you want to run, like actually hand the ball off and stuff with four wide outs, that just takes off like a lineman or a linebacker where it's one less person up front who's accustomed to playing that type, like going after the running game. I should say like they're yeah. a down lineman. So four receivers, maybe three receivers or something and a tight end and a running, you know what I mean? Like it have everybody seen the play where I got a receiver goes to motion. They're basically a blocker. So you can do that with four receivers. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that'd be a pretty good play for them to, Get well, we play off another player off the field and run the ball if needed, but typically we know they're going to pass, and that's what they really need to do. And that, yeah, I think your game plan is perfectly and 100% accurate what they should do. Well, and and conversely, you know, we we kind of know what Wyoming is probably going to want to do, like you know, they're definitely going to want to lean on their ground and pound with you know, Titus Swen, Xavier Valade, Levi Williams pitching in here and there, and you know, that might work but then again it might not because one of the things that utah state has improved upon you know we, we we talk about how their their sp plus standing has really taken off in the last few weeks uh one of those major reasons why is because they've been dominant defending the run in the last couple of weeks last few weeks actually basically since they stopped winning close games and started winning 20 point games. Um, <laughs> yeah. And again, maybe, maybe you grade on a curve a little bit because again, the last three opponents are Hawaii, New Mexico state and San Jose state, but those three teams combined, you know, they, the Hawaii and San Jose state both ran for 0.55 yards per carry. Not adjusting for sacks, mind you, but I would imagine that even if you, even if you did adjust for sacks a little bit, and and again, you know, in line yards per carry, the Aggies on defense are seventh nationally now, two point two seven line yards per carry. They're you know, they're a top unit in terms of overall stuff rate. They are now fourth as far as you know being able to stop runs at or behind the line of scrimmage. 
they're a top 25 teams in terms of power success rate. So while Wyoming is a very strong running game in its own right by a lot of those same measures, it, it all of a sudden looks like a situation that's more of a strength on strength than it might've looked like uh, uh, a few weeks ago. And that's because, you know, the Aggies up front are getting a lot more, you know, kind of strong performance. Like we haven't really talked about Nick Henninger, for instance, but he's really come alive in like the last month or so. He's now leading the Aggies with 11 and a half tackles for loss. You know, he's definitely bounced back to where he was a couple of years ago. Marcus Moore is having a, a quietly pretty, pretty strong year, eight and a half tackles himself. Um, you know, Byron Bonds, Patrick Joyner, you know, so that defensive front, you know, is more than just Justin Rice at this point. And, you know, where it was sort of yeah. like, for sort of like flying by the, by the seat of their pants, you know, early on in the season, you know, give credit to Ephraim Banda, the defensive coordinator. Like he's got these guys playing at a very high level. And so with, with all of the struggles that we've seen this Cowboys offense have pretty much all season long, it would not surprise me if Utah state put them in his position where it was just another 60 minutes of those same kinds of struggles. So when we look at overall, like, I think, like, when you look at this event, like, we've got through pretty much in detail what could be done, what can't be done. Utah State, I don't, they've been, like, they've proved kind of, like you mentioned, no struggles past couple weeks. They've been crushing opponents. Easily beat New Mexico State, took a second. Easily winning last week, first San Jose State took a minute, but they got there. Not even there, they're actually ahead, but they had an explosive early first end of the first half to get all the mm-hmm. points. I don't know. I think this game will be closer just because I think Utah State's going to win. I think Wabi can hang around enough because the defense is really good, but but also Wabi's offense could do like they remember they've been running more Titus Sweat than Xavier Valley recently, which is kind of interesting. So they have two quality backs to hold the ball if they need to against Utah State's offense, which could score quickly. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think it might be a touch lower scoring, but I think it'll be kind of like a slow bird where Wabi will they just it's struggling. Like they like we mentioned like earlier on, they scored fifty versus NIU. But when you look at for the whole season, that was kind of a couple of those big games, like where they had 50 points, 40 points. But ever since like that UConn game, they haven't been scoring many points. CSU 31, like they've only had two games all year, three games all year, they scored 30 or more points. And those were the first two, two of the first three weeks of the season. And I just don't think their offense could keep up with Utah State because if it gets into sort of a shootout type of game, there's no way Weber's going to keep up. That's why if the defense sticks going, sticks it to Utah State, if they can run the ball with whether it be Valaday or Sweden there, that's what their plan is going to be. But I don't think it's going to be enough because Aggies will just like, oh, fine, we'll just toss it and score. Well, that's and what I'm saying. Top, like, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's a, like, like if Wyoming is facing a third and six situation on their first drive, let's say, in a punt on third down, I don't know. <laughs> like, so I'm saying, like, what are they going to do? Are they going to, are they going to, you know, run the ball, you know, get three or four yards and punt it away and trust the defense can pick them up? Or are they going to, are they going to let Levi Williams cook? They should let him pass if possible, but I don't know. I just think there's and it's, it's, and it, offense. And it's sort of an interesting conceit because on third downs, Williams has actually not been that bad on the year. Like, you know, his completion rate, and again, he's not throwing the ball nearly as much on third down as like, you know, Carson Strong, but they have a roughly similar completion rate. Like he's completing 60% of his third down passes, which is a pretty big step in the right direction 
from what Sean Chambers had been doing when he was the starter. Um, you know, he has four touchdowns, zero interceptions. Ironically enough, Levi Williams, even though he's only thrown 23 third down passes, has the best passer rating of any quarterback in the conference. And so it, it does make you wonder, like, you know, if he, it, you know, if they can, if he can earn a little more trust to throw down the field, then the question becomes, okay, well, what is, what are Wyoming's secondary weapons going to do? Because I don't know if it's going to be all about Swen and Valaday if they want to be able to win this game. Williams is going to have to connect with Isaiah Nair for one, but he's also going to have to find someone else he can rely upon too. And I think the Cowboys are still in a lot of ways trying to figure out like who those secondary reliable weapons are going to be. Is it going to be an Alex Brown? Is it going to be a Joshua Cobbs? You know, Cobbs has, you know, two catches in three of the last four games, but you know, the rest of that offense, as far as the passing is concerned has been pretty pedestrian, even despite the quarterback switch, but they're going to need something if they want to hang around in this game. I just don't know if they're going to get it or not. We'll see. So what are the advanced numbers say on this one? I'll let those speak first before I go to my prediction. <laughs> so uh, FEI likes Utah state um, by a reasonable 8.3 points. Um, SP plus, let me go over to the other image real quick. They actually SP plus likes Wyoming, uh, by 2.6, which is a 56% win probability. Um, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview. They like Utah state 72.68% win probability projected final margin of roughly 33 to 25. What do you say? Uh, I think it's going to be a long night for the Cowboys. Ooh. Uh, I've got Utah State winning. I'm going to say 42 to 20. 42 points? Yeah. I think they're going to take him to the woodshed. 42 points would be, what, the second most they've given up all year? Outside of, that'd be, yeah, second most after NIU, who scored 40, 43. Mm-hmm. Dang. I, it's going to be less. I'm going to go Utah State 31 while I'll be 13. Still a convincing victory. I, yeah, that's how I'm going. All right, next game. New Mexico at Boise State, 7 p.m. Mountain Time, FS1. Lobos are in for a long day versus Boise State. Boise State has finally figured things out because, you know, George Lottie's healthy, and I guess that's how they win when he's healthy, right? Is that the gist of it? They certainly look a lot better across the board. When he's fully and really healthy, getting multiple or not multiple full full-time reps like 15 plus carries they're a good team well sorry a better team because they, they win actually when he's out there new mexico three and seven they are oh we should mention that this line is ridiculous 27 point line 48 point over under 48 that's like what 35 13 essentially they're saying they think New Mexico is going to score 13 points. Well, I'm just saying if you, if it's a 27 point line and it's 48 points. I mean, and, and, and a lot of this is sort of outside of the Lobos control. It's outside of, of Danny Gonzalez's control and Derek Wareheim's control. The, the, the quarterback injury to Terry Wilson was not great because it looked yeah. like they were, it looked like they were working their way towards something with him under center. And then, you know, they caught Wyoming napping a couple of weeks ago and it has basically been a, a, an offense that's DOA since then, you know, especially if you look at, at, at Parker Fleming's advanced stats preview and you just look at all the red on the offensive side of things in particular, I think the only, I mean, I could throw a lot of numbers out there, 
the only number that really comes to mind that is maybe the most important thing, overall offensive success rate, New Mexico is 130th. And, and for those of you who don't know, that is dead last in the, in the country. Um, you know, they're, <laughs> they're, they're 130th in passing offensive success rate. They're 126th by defensive, or excuse me, by rushing success rate. So, you know, Aaron Dumas is having himself a very nice season as a true freshman. But honestly, I, I, I like to try and make the optimist case wherever I can. I think New Mexico is just handcuffed here. Yeah, they're in, in yeah, right. But these guys are, seem to be doing better, but injuries have caught up to them. Like the Wilson, the big deal. Like, had he been healthy all year? I don't know, another winner, winner two, maybe. Yeah, it I mean, that, be you know, because, better, and again, you know, I feel, I feel like it's worth pointing out again that, like, they 2 0 because they beat New Mexico State. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it's worth pointing out again, too, that, like, the defense has been battling, which is exactly why they brought Rocky Long in. Um, and, and ironically, you, you just mentioned George Halani as being kind of like the shot in the arm that the Broncos seemed to need to kind of reach their final form or something like that. And ironically, that might be the one thing that New Mexico could reliably shut down <laughs> is the Broncos running game. Um, and, and just, you know, kind of put that in perspective, you know, in terms of overall SP plus, New Mexico is now dead last in the, in the conference. Probably not a surprise. Um, they're 118th nationally, but a lot of that is you know, owed to the fact that, again, their offense has been in, in basically in the gutter. 128th on offense defense, however, 94th overall. So like they've shown a lot of signs of life, you know, obviously Joey and guys like Joey Noble have been the, the biggest component of that, but they've found ways to bring along other playmakers who, you know, we've seen them, you know, create headaches sporadically, even against teams that have the obvious talent advantage. I'm thinking about guys like, you know, Ray Lutelli, um, Cyrus Riley, you know, on the back end, TV and Combs has been solid. Ronald Wilson has has stepped into his stead at the Lobo position. He's been pretty solid. But again, you know, you're looking at a lot of young guys who are being asked to take on a lot against, again, a very talented Boise State team on both sides of the ball. So I think, you know, I could see a situation where maybe Boise State runs into some more red zone headaches in the same way that, you know, they have in the last couple of weeks. But, but again, I, it's, it's hard for me to see the, you know, the Mexico offense in particular putting things together enough to really threaten the Broncos in this one. Yeah, there's no way. Like, there's what else to say about the game. It's going to be probably blown, unfortunately. You have Dumas who can maybe run a little bit for Lobos to sort of keep it interesting for a little bit. But look how many times did they do last week? Isaiah Chavez isn't the guy at quarterback. He's just kind of there. What are they I'm pulling up right now? But were they complete three passes versus Fresno State last week? I believe they were three of eight as a team. Yeah, it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, Dumas ran pretty well, but they're not going to be competitive against a team when they throw that few times. And not, they're not rushing for five push yards per carry, and they're not rushing enough to make it worthwhile. Like, they're rushing, like, they're two of eight, 38 times rushing for 162 yards. Yeah, I mean, and like the, the defense... 63 of those came on play. Yeah, the defense, Rocky Long is really earning his paycheck this year. It's it's sort of obscured, though, by the fact that the offense has put them in a lot of really difficult positions all year long. Yeah, if you're putting short fields, you don't move the ball. Defense has to go out there a lot. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. Like the offense, if you go three out a bunch of times, you're going to get tired. You're going to don't get a proper rest. And 
needs to get beat in. This is not going to be a close one. So what are the advanced, advanced numbers say from this particular matchup? So uh, as you might expect, um, big favorite from Boise State all the yeah. way around. Uh, <laughs> FEI likes the Broncos by 28.4. SP Plus likes them by 26.4, which is a 94% win probability. Uh, Parker Fleming, his advanced stats preview, gives Boise State a 98.06 win probability. Projected final margin of, uh, of 29 to... Uh, I guess if you're rounding up one, <laughs> but te- technically, technically it is 0. 0.51. Um, so no chance. That's your telling me. There's no chance. Um, yeah, I think I would probably take Boise to win and cover pretty comfortably. I'm going to say 38 to three. I'm going 40 to Ted. I'll give All him right. one touchdown. All right then. There'll be something. All right. So the final game of the day, we go to Wild or the West Coast, the Super West Coast. CSU going all the way to Hawaii, who they did leave Wednesday for the game, which apparently was an article to Colorado, Colorado in, but I couldn't read it because for, for subscribers only. But you know what the point is? Time adjustment. That's why they left early. That's I mean, it, I mean, it is, it is, it is now officially like, oh, it's it's dark at five o'clock outside. Time to shut down mentally season. So, so, so maybe maybe they're just uh, maybe they're just getting ahead of that. Yes. Yeah, so it's a what eleven Eastern kick. So it's what five o'clock. Yeah, 5 p.m. 5 p.m. local time there. Mm-hmm. Rams are, this is, how, oh, sorry, before I get to that, we used to mention, uh, once again, Team One Sports app, if you're in the mainland, pay-per-view spectrum version, if you're in Hawaii. How are the Rams favored by two and a half points? I would assume that a lot of that comes down to, <laughs> No, I'm I'm going to give a serious answer here. I think I, I think know. I think a lot of it comes down to Hawaii's offensive inefficiencies. I really, I really think that's what it comes down to. Inconsistent quarterback, but how many negative points is Steve Adazio given to this team? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Like, I think I think you could make a case that, like, you know, yeah, both of these teams aren't bowl eligible or anything like that. Like, they're both and they cannot be in a sense playing out the string. But on However, the other hand. Hold on, if you're ESPN.com, they did put Hawaii in a bowl game this year despite them not able to get to seven wins. I didn't even see that. Is I, that okay? Going, okay, yeah. quick, quick, quick aside, <laughs> quick aside, is that better or worse than the official bowl season account? Like, you know how like bowlseason.com is a thing now? I barely saw that at our DM. Did, they did you happen to see the uh, the bowl projections they put out for this week? I saw your, your DM to us that no Fresno State. So, yeah, so, and, so somehow... So and, and again, this is probably some unpaid intern who's who I'm giving an unnecessary amount of grief. Yeah, no Fresno State in the bull projection. Somehow they found room for both Wyoming and San Jose State, which, as you may recall, um, neither team is technically bull eligible yet. They can get there, but Fresno State has already have what eight wins on the year. Uh, yes, that is correct. Hey, guess what? I need to cash your ticket when I head back over, so you'll get some money from me later mm-hmm. <laughs> for taking the over while back in August. That's ridiculous. But this game itself, I guess you're right. Like the inefficiency for Hawaii's offense because Hunter's not running the ball well. Parkson's what Derek, what do you have last year? He led the team in receiving as a running back. Calvin Turner had a pretty poor game last week. The Rams defense is good, but hey, I don't know. I don't trust the Rams for anything. It's a get right game on both sides. It's just a matter. I mean, honestly, like, honestly, it's just a matter of like, which, which team is going to get more right. Yeah. Like is, is Colorado state going to be able to fix whatever has been ailing it on defense, especially, Mm. or is Hawaii going to be able to, you know, 
pick things up on offense because, you know, that is really what has let them down the most this year. You know, they, they in New Mexico and a lot of respects, I think are in sort of the same boat where, you know, they don't necessarily have like the, the injury or the youth movement excuse that, that the Lobos do, you know, because I think we all expected a little more than what Siobhan Cordero has given to us this year. And you, you mentioned that it's been a poor running game. And I would say that it's been maybe a little more uneven than a lot of people expected. But I think, you know, if, yeah. if, if I think if Hawaii is going to reassert itself, it's going to start on the ground. Like it's going to start with, you know, getting, you know, Day Day Hunter and, and Dedrick Parson, you know, just you know, hitting Colorado State between the tackles in the same way the Air Force did. Because again, in terms of EPA per rush, that's the one thing that Hawaii has been able to rely upon this year is their ability to run the ball. You know, they're 22nd by that measure overall in the country. And, you know, that element of the game is something that carries over, carries over to a lot of other respects too, like opportunity rate, they're a top 30 team. So like their running backs have been able to get to the second level more often than you might suspect, but I think they're going to need that in a way that they haven't been able to really demonstrate in, in most of the last few weeks in order to kind of stay one step ahead of, of the Rams. Who's the best player at offense for either team? Is it just Trey McBride's the easy answer, right? I mean, yeah, I would say so. And especially okay. since, especially since it's going to be very interesting to see how Hawaii covers him. Because yeah, again, and again, that's because you know, that's another thing that they've continued to do well. You know, the Nevada game aside, you know, this is still a team that knows how to, you know, lock down opposing passing games. And Todd Santeo is exactly the kind of quarterback they could feast upon if he makes the same kind of mistakes that he did a couple of weeks ago or last week against the Falcons. But, but I'm more interested in, you know, do they try and cover him with a linebacker? Do they put someone like Panay Bihi on him? Or do they take a, an, you know, a, a guy like Corey Bethley, who's typically like a safety, but plays, you know, more like a linebacker, you know, pretty often and say, okay, you, you shadow him wherever he goes and, and make sure that you stay. So I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, if they put one man on him, if they give him help over the top and then what Colorado State chooses to do, you know, given the attention that Hawaii wants to pay to someone like McBride, because again, you know, we know what Bridebridge can do. We know what Dante Wright can do. Still kind of an unknown as to what anybody else on that offense is going to do. And I think that could be a problem against a Hawaii secondary that has tended to play pretty well, even as the rest of the team has been hit or miss. Could be right, but it, it depends also how much Dante Wright gets involved too, because we've been saying for weeks, like he had the two touchdown game, but he's not getting the amount of catches I thought he would be getting, mm-hmm. like your targets. So I don't know what the deal with that is, but... It'll be interesting, you're right, because Hawaii secondary is good. So it just means like whoever runs the ball for TSU kind of has to. It, this might be an opportunity like, to get right to have that part of the defense play good. If Hawaii might be focusing so much on those pass catchers, whereas the Rams are going to have to try to run the ball because oh, we can't. We're not getting the ball to McBride, not getting to right, not getting to this guy or that guy. But maybe it needs to be like David Bailey actually having a decent game, but he's only averaging like three and a half yards a carry. Like maybe Thompson Taylor does some draw plays or do some type of things like that to make to um, go after Hawaii's defense a little bit differently. Yeah, and, I don't know. I don't and, know how much you want to expose Santeo to someone like Darius Muasal, though. I know, I'm just saying yeah, like, that, that could be hazardous to his health. 
totally. But I'm just saying he has 430 yards. I get, I get what you're saying, though. A couple plays here, there, just to mix it up, mm-hmm. to where that might be how they'd be successful at moving the ball. If the passing, I'm not saying the passing game won't work. I'm just saying, like you're probably insinuating the same thing. It might be more difficult. Mm-hmm. And if they can have a running game, because Bailey's been there's been times where he's been all right, but I think what it'll come down to why like they'll get Calvin Turner involved more offensively. Shavon Cordero is, I think, a better quarterback than Todd Centeno by a little bit. I think if Hawaii is going to win, they need that running game to be more consistent. And if that gets going reasonably well, I think that they should be able to win the game because I think their defense is good enough. And Cordero, yeah, might make a mistake here or there, but I still trust him a little bit more than Todd Centeno. Now, see, I don't know if I would agree with that. I say a little bit. Centeno on Centeno in general has played better than Cordero this year. And it doesn't really matter how you slice it. I'm, I'm just saying, I know Todd Centeno's played played better than I thought as well. I'm just saying, like what we know historically, Cordero, he he has his moments where he can be good. I mean, the, the one thing don't that, write him off. I'm just saying you know, the, the one thing that Cordero has on Centeno is Hawaii has that ability to stretch the field which not a lot of teams have really tried to do against Colorado State this year. And maybe some of that has to do with the pass rush, you know, having been strong. But since that has sort of fizzled out in the last couple of weeks, you know, maybe Cordero is in a pat where even if he doesn't have the most efficient type game, you know, would it surprise you if Nick Mardner had like four catches for 90 yards and two touchdowns? It could see it happening, maybe. It, it could happen. So, I mean, I think that there's a path where, you know, even if they aren't the most efficient offense in the world, that if they're explosive enough to, you know, get ahead and stay ahead and force Colorado State to sort of play outside of his element, then that could build well for them in the long run. I just don't know if I would necessarily want to rely upon that. Like, if if, if I were Bo Graham, and, and I'm really not, considering the criticisms that are that are being levied by him or you toward him by Hawaii I mean, it's been a while since I played NCAA football, but I'll I'll, I'll accept the compliment. But I'm saying, like, if, <laughs> if it were me, I would go back to just you know get Dedrick Parson, get Dayday Hunter back on track first, and then see what happens from there. Yeah, I think that's a big thing. Getting the running game going is ideal because it doesn't help Cordero not have to force it. Maybe he's having to or thinking he has to do too much because the running game's not going well and he's maybe under a bit of distress or pressure to be like, well, you can't, you're not doing your job well enough, so I need to step it up and get out there and play better. It's- yeah, which is ironic because Hawaii doesn't, I mean, for as well as they have run the ball this year, they don't run the ball on early downs as often as you might expect. Like they've actually run it on first and second downs under 50% of the time. But I wonder if against this defense, like if, if they see something on film that they think they can exploit, whether or not the, you know, they lean on that duo in the backfield to be like, okay, go, go win those individual battles, go get those four or five yards and help us win this game. Because maybe that is what helps, you know, get Calvin Turner in space a little more often out of the backfield or something like that. So what do the numbers say in this one? Because I think this will be an interesting game of how close it could be. So generally speaking, they favor Colorado State. Uh, FBI likes the Rams by 6.6. SP Plus likes them by 1.2, which is a 53% win probability. And Parker Fleming is advanced stats preview. 
also likes the Rams 60.35% win probability, a roughly uh, projected margin of 30 to 26. Who do you say is going to win? I think Hawaii is going to win at home. I'm with you. I mean, I just don't know if I trust Colorado State's offense not to make the same kind of mistakes and play the same kind of predictable offense that's gotten them in trouble in recent weeks. So I don't think necessarily that Hawaii is going to run away with it, but I think that they'll do just enough to you know be able to come out on top. I'm going to say, let's say 27 to 23. Not many points. I... Yeah, the Rams defense is good. So there's a high point value. Value seems difficult to see happening. Um, I think it's going to be 21-20 Hawaii, a close one. All right, then. And it won't be because the Rams can't get a field goal unit ready to kick the game winner. It'll just be 21-20, a typical score like that. All right, then. Anything else to add for this week? Any uh, news or notes we missed out after? I believe we are all set for right now. We did fail to mention we have two teams on the bye. Fresno State and San Jose State are not playing. So Yeah, we got the Valley Trophy next weekend. We'll talk about that uh, roughly a week from now. Early podcast next week with it being Thanksgiving week. So look for that like maybe Tuesday night if you're lucky. So yeah. check it out. MWR.com is our website. Subscribe to the podcast. All that fun stuff. Twitter, MWC Wire. We'll have more stuff up this week. And check out some stuff you'd like the coaching stuff. We're, we're going to have a coach. The coaching carousel is going to be crazy. There's what six, seven power five jobs, another four to six group of five jobs. There'll be lots of movement. And I made a prediction. I, I'll stand by this. There will there will not be a Mountain West coach fired this year. But I'm not sure if all 12 will be back next year. That sounds about right. So we'll see. And we'll talk about it later. We've gone long enough time. So we'll get to that part another day when we have an offseason show to get to in between this stuff. So yeah, we'll see you next time. And yeah, just check it, check us out, mwr.com.